Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about a new order by the Ministry of Education that academics say could lead to a complete halt of all topical scientific discussions. We also take a quick look at COVID cases rising in a number of states, including Kerala and Maharashtra. But first, we talk about the Unnao death case. Last week, two Dalit girls, aged 13 and 16, were found dead in their family's field in the Unnao district of Uttar Pradesh. Along with them was also a 17-year-old girl who was found to be in critical condition. All three girls were cousins. The case had first come to light on Wednesday and since then we have come to know a lot more about what could have happened to the girls. The UP police has even arrested two men who they claim are behind what happened to them. In this segment, we talk to Asad Rahman, who has been reporting on the story for the Indian Express about what happened to these girls, the men that the UP police have arrested, and what the parents of the victim and the men claim. He starts by talking about the case from the beginning. So on uh, Wednesday night around 9pm, there were reports on social media that three girls had been found in a farm in Unnao district, not too far from their house, and that these uh, girls belonged to the Dalit community. And there were reports on social media and in newspaper, in news channels, that their hands and legs were tied. And uh, a statement had been released by some local journalists where the brother of one of the girls had alleged that the girls uh, had been found in an unconscious condition and that their hands and legs were tied and that they were found around a kilometer from their house and that these three girls are uh, cousins. That's when this news was broken on uh, social media. Asad says that at that point, the police said that they were still investigating the case and it was very difficult to comment on how the girls were found because they were not there when the girls were taken from the field to the village, which is around a kilometer away. And the first day, the police had said that these girls had been found and it seemed like a suspected case of uh, poisoning because the girls were discharging some foamy liquid from their mouth and they had said that it seemed like a suspected case of poisoning. This was on Wednesday night. And after that, on Thursday, when the postmortem report of the two girls who had been found dead at the spot, whereas the third girl who was alive but was critical and was uh, taken to a hospital in Kanpur, which is a neighboring district to now. And the postmortem report of the two girls who had died had come out on Thursday afternoon. And the police had held a briefing where they informed that the postmortem report had completely ruled out any sort of assault on the two girls whose postmortem was conducted. And that the cause of death could not be ascertained. But certain facts were made clear by the police on that day that one, these girls were not assaulted before they were killed. Two, there was no sexual assault on these girls and that there were no injuries on their hands or legs or their neck, which suggested that they were either strangled or they were tied. During this time, Asad says, different people of the family were giving different versions of the incident. Since the girls were cousins, the mother of one of the girls was saying that her hands and legs were not tied. Whereas the other mother who I also spoke to, 
said that she had seen body of the one of the girls and that the hands and legs were tied with a dupatta around the neck but these claims were all denied by the police who said that the hands and legs were not tied and that the post mortem report also made it clear that if the hands and legs were tied there would have been marks around the wrists or around the ankles and that there were no such marks found in the post mortem report now the next day a major development took place the uttar pradesh police held a press conference in which they claimed that they had solved the case on friday evening senior police officer held a press conference in unnao and said that it was a case where there were two people who were held who were found to be responsible for poisoning the three girls and that one of them was a 28 year old man named bine whereas the other was a minor who is 15 years old both these men like the three girls also belong to the scheduled caste and the police said that the elder accused bine actually was interested in try to proposition the girl but she had rejected him and after that after being rejected he was angry and that he poisoned her and the other two girls and that uh, he gave the poison to the elder girl to drink it mixed in water and the other two girls inadvertently without knowing that it was poison also drank the same water and you know died and then these two accused fled the spot and uh, police also claim that they have uh, an eyewitness in the case who has seen these two boys fleeing from the crime scene on the day of the incident after the incident and uh, this is what the police said on friday evening then on saturday police officer uh, told us that uh, the second accused who the police was claiming to be a minor was not a minor this is what the police is saying whereas the uh, and that his aadhar card is showing his age to be 19 years and that they are going to treat him as an adult and that till saturday afternoon he had misled the police and had said that he was 15 years old but asad says that the parents of this younger accused claim otherwise they say that they had increased his age in the aadhar form just so that they could get an aadhar card and other village people the locals also said that the boy was not more than 15 or 14 or 15 years old so now the police is saying that they are going to treat uh, him as an adult and are going to try him as an adult but it will be up to the court to decide whether he is an adult a medical test will be done and uh, accordingly his age will be determined and whether he has to be tried as a juvenile or as an adult will be decided by the court meanwhile asad says questions are also being raised by vinay's parents who is the other accused in the case so the family of the elder accused whose name is vinay who's 28 years old according to the police say that they are being framed the accused are being framed because there's political pressure on the in the case and that the police had to somehow manage to solve the case within the first 48 hours and that is why they are being made scapegoats and the family members are also asking a few questions as to why three girls have had something to drink which is poisonous and which the police says was in- insecticide and uh, how could three girls drink that substance mixed in water without knowing that there was something off about it this is what the family of the accused is asking i had had a conversation about this with the superintendent of police of unnao anand kulkarni yesterday and he said that only after the forensic report of the bottle of water which was recovered from the crime scene 
will they know what kind of poison was used by the accused and whether it had any distinct smell or if it was an odorless poison this point is raising concerns among many because one the police had earlier mentioned that the postmortem revealed that a pungent smelling substance was found in the stomach of the two girls and two because during the press conference on thursday the up police had said that vinay gave a bottle of water with insecticide in it to the 17 year old girl and after the girl had it the other two girls actually snatched that bottle and drank from it too right now the 17 year old girl in question who has survived is still in the hospital and asad says that according to the hospital her condition is improving and there is a good chance that she will survive when talking about the evidence that the police has especially the one eyewitness that it is relying on asad says that there are a couple of important things to note one the eyewitness saw them fleeing from the crime spot did not see the crime happening and uh, secondly the police is saying they have some forensic analysis and that they have recovered that they are waiting for some uh, forensic reports on the evidences that have been recovered from near the crime scene and uh, they are also saying that the elder accused his mobile phone location was found to be near the crime scene when the crime happened then they are also saying that accused have confessed to committing the crime in police custody which will be up to the court to decide whether it admits it or not so this is what the police is listing out as evidence at this point but if the eldest girl who has survived the 17 year old if she gets better and recovers then her statement will obviously form the whole basis of where the case goes after she recovers she being the only victim who would have survived though right now another aspect of the case that the up police is focusing on is what people have said about it online the case like mentioned earlier had come to light because of information that was put online and earlier the government had said that action will be taken against people who are spreading misinformation about the case and now monitoring activities online the state government has taken action so till now two fir's have been lodged and a total of nine twitter handles have been identified by police and they've been booked under ipc sections for uh, provocation for a riot and uh, under the information technology act and the allegation that the police is making is that these people these twitter handles had spread misinformation about the incident and that they had spread in misinformation which had no basis and was not based on any facts and was completely false and that is why these nine uh, twitter handles have been booked including a former mp whose twitter handle is called dr udit raj and next we talk about a new order by the ministry of education earlier this year the ministry had come out with an order that required government institutions to take clearance from the government for all webinars that they conducted and last week two of india's largest and oldest academies the indian academy of sciences and the indian national academy of sciences wrote a letter to the ministry of education to withdraw these restrictions adding that it could lead to a complete halt of all topical scientific discussions and impede the interest of science among the young in this segment we talked to amitabh sinha a resident editor in pune who covers science for the indian express about this order so this uh, is an order that came out in the middle of 
January, I think 15th of January. And uh, it's actually a follow-up on a similar order by the Ministry of External Affairs, which seems to be the prime mover behind this. And uh, what the circular says is that all institutions, all government institutions, publicly funded universities, research institutions, when they organize seminars online, any kind of online event, so you can have training programs, you have some sort of sessions involving participants from outside. So any such online event in which there are foreign participants involved, the word it uses is international seminars. So if there are people from outside the country as well participating in, in an online event, then those must be authorized by the central government. Again, the term it uses is your administrative secretary, which means the, uh, the secretary of the department uh, under which the institution or the university functions. And Amitabh says that while addressing the secretary of the department and the authority that will grant this permission, the order says that it would have to be ensured that the event does not deal with certain issues. And these issues include anything that has to do with internal affairs of India, internal matters of India. Also, if, if it has to, anything to do with Jammu and Kashmir, to the state of, to, to the northeastern states, to Ladakh, if any of these subjects is being touched, then it's possible that the permission would not be granted to hold such international conferences. So that, in effect, is the gist of the circular. Amitabh says that webinars, of course, have become a lot more popular now, especially during the pandemic. But even while holding physical events, you didn't need these kinds of permissions, though you did have to keep the government in the loop. In the sense that, you know, you had to provide the government, and in this case, not just EMEA, but also the Home Ministry, the Ministry of Home Affairs, about the list of participants from foreign countries who are coming. You would also, you know, tell the ministry on about the subject on which the conference was being held. But these were not necessarily, they, they were not as stringent also. I mean, they were more in the na uh, nature of an FYI that we are holding this conference, we are telling you that these are the people who, who we have invited and might be coming in. And it wasn't actually seeking permission, but more in the nature of telling the government, this is for your information. And if within the list of invited guests, the you know, Home Ministry or the MEA found someone that they would probably would object to or you know, somebody who was a under the garb of his academics or his scientific research, they thought that he would be here on some other purpose, then maybe you know, they could point it out uh, or they, they would not grant visa or those kind of things could happen. But it wasn't actually a seeking permission to organize the event, more in the nature of this is what we are trying to do and these are the people we have invited. So in that sense, the restrictions now being imposed on webinars, he says, are a lot more prohibitive. And Amitabh says that it is also difficult to guess the reason why the government has come up with this order, because it hasn't given a reason for it, but adds that it is coming at a time where the government appears to be a lot more sensitive about what foreigners have been saying about India. And uh, we have seen comments or remarks made with regard to, say, the decision 
to bifurcate Jammu and Kashmir state, the decision to withdraw Article 370 from Jammu and Kashmir, uh, those decisions, also a lot of other decisions, they are commented upon, they are, as would happen, I mean, these are expected things. But the sensitivity to such comments and remarks abroad, you know, that has become, that sensitivity has risen in the last few months or years. More recently, the government seemed particularly irked by foreign celebrities speaking out about the ongoing farmers' protests. Earlier this month, teen climate activist Greta Thunberg, pop star Rihanna and author Mina Harris had tweeted about the protests. And in response to that, in a highly unusual move, the Ministry of External Affairs had issued a statement slamming them. And Amitabh says that this latest order is a reaction or a response to this increased sensitivities. Wherein you do not want any kind of government probably would use misrepresentation of India's known positions on internal matters. It's all about presenting the right optics. You know, what is the narrative that is being circulated outside and to somehow control that narrative academics or scientists and research people, they are taken quite seriously in the international community. So if they are saying something uh, at a public event where others would also be present from other countries, I mean, they would be taken seriously. So this effort probably seems to be a step to ensure that what people say at such conferences is in line with what the government thinks is the correct representation of India's policy or India's stand on certain issues. The scientific community in India has spoken out against this order. Like mentioned earlier, the Indian Academy of Sciences and the Indian National Academy of Sciences sent a letter to the ministry. But a third institution, that is the National Academy of Sciences, has also been considering sending a letter. And together, these institutions include more than 2,500 of India's top scientists. Amitabh says that the scientists have mainly been harping on two points. The first one is the practical one. Can you actually seek permission for every event that you are doing? And these days, there are so many online events happening. Even a small government colleges will have online events at which there would be foreign participation. Uh, or even if there is no foreign participation, and that's what the scientists also make the point, that supposing we don't have speakers, we don't invite speakers from abroad, right? And we don't have participants there. But the moment you are going online and you are conducting an event online, it's possible for anyone to become an audience until unless you control it and keep it within a group. And then that defeats the entire purpose of a scientific conference, right? So the fact is that anyone can, and if you are putting it online, or say on YouTube or something, if you're going live, then people can join in from any part of the world. That's the whole point. So what would count as international online? Does anyone commenting or joining from another country make the event international? Would that potentially make every event international? Amitabh says that those are the concerns. Plus, another practical issue is that with so many webinars happening these days, will the government be able to give permission in time? To what extent will they be able to monitor what is happening in these online events? 
what happens if someone from another country ends up asking a question in an event that was meant only for india but even apart from these practical concerns amitabh says there is also a principled objection to this order considering that most of the scientific research and conferences are open houses where a lot of discussions take place i'll give you an example for example if if there is a conference on covid happening and uh, there is a discussion on the situation in kerala today for example or or maharashtra and if there is a comment about the possible mismanagement of the covid situation in maharashtra or kerala and somebody sitting in the us university or johns hopkins for example says that according to his or her opinion things have not been uh, handled very well in maharashtra or kerala now would that amount would that be a scientific opinion or would it be considered an interference in india's internal matters now that kind of thing one of course there is no clarity the uh, scientists have also pointed out that the circular does not say what constitutes india's internal matters they have said you know anything related to jammu and kashmir or security situation or northeast or ladakh that would of course but what regarding jammu and kashmir would a discussion on covid with respect to jammu and kashmir would that be considered internal matter and completely out of bound of uh, for discussions or would it matter only to some aspects of security which must not be discussed in public so that kind of clarity is not available and that scientists have already pointed it out now of course there are other things as well the fact that this order applies only to government institutions and not to private institutions so why have this kind of dual policies so there are lots of objections that are being raised webinars and online events have especially been important to institutions during this time because physical events haven't been able to take place and now amitabh says people have realized that it is much easier to put these events together now of course the top conferences will probably continue to happen in the physical space as well uh, once the covid scare is gone but for a lot of other say especially smaller institutions and universities online events have opened a completely new space because it costs very little you can get uh, access to a lot of speakers which you would otherwise find it very difficult to invite them physically to your event mainly because these people are very busy they were traveling to uh, india for even for a two day event would require a disruption of a week in their schedule and not many people would be coming so if you have to invite a nobel laureate for example uh, it would be very very difficult to get a nobel laureate to your event now even these smaller uh, institutions and smaller universities can do that because all that you are asking a nobel laureate is to spare half an hour time to give a talk online rather than asking him to go in for a week long disruption in his schedule by inviting him to come to delhi or bombay or wherever right so it's become much easier and therefore even after covid this online event is something that's likely to continue and that's why this is very important as well Right now some are concerned that because there is no definition of what counts as India's internal matters or what international means in the context of online events 
that there is a potential that this order could be misused or be used to target certain institutions or events. Plus, depending on how this order is used, scientists may find it stifling to work because of it. Though after the scientific community spoke out against it, yesterday the government said that it is considering making changes or clarifications to this order. Ashutosh Sharma, the Secretary of Department of Science and Technology, told Amitabh that the idea was not to curtail scientific discussions, adding that science academies have expressed their opinion and the government would certainly like to ally their concerns. But even as this happens, Amitabh says that people have already started coming up with ways around it. So if I am supposed to organize an event with, say, people from four different universities in the United States or other countries, and because these, this restriction applies to me, so as a roundabout way of doing it as to circumvent this rule, what people, some of them are doing is asking the you know, the U.S. universities to hold the, to organize it, and I would participate in it as a speaker. So the event happens, but the organizer changes. And, you know, that kind of fixes or is trying to circumventions are being found. And probably people will have to resort to these kind of innovative methods to do this. But, I mean, there is a problem because there is a lack of clarity also in what the intent of the government is. All the thing is saying, all that the circle is saying is for an international online event, you should not touch on these subjects and that you should seek permission before you're holding such online events. The intent of the government is not very clear or is not known. So what scientists and other institutions also are asking for is better clarity to understand what the idea is so that they can even find other ways of trying to avoid certain things that the government wants to do without actually going through this process of permissions and clearances. And in the end, we talk about COVID-19. India's COVID-19 situation appears to be improving. Like in the 24 hours between Saturday and Sunday, 18 states did not report any COVID-19 deaths. Plus, the national positivity rate has been showing a steady decline over the last 13 days. But even as this happens, according to a report by Conan Sheriff who reports on health for the Indian Express, five states have been reporting an upsurge in daily cases. The states in question are Kerala, Maharashtra, Punjab, Chhattisgarh and Madhya Pradesh. This rise in cases comes in the backdrop of five persons who recently returned to India being detected with the infectious COVID-19 variants found in South Africa and Brazil. Though there is no evidence right now to the link in the new cases to the new variants. Among these states that we are talking about, Maharashtra has been witnessing the highest number of daily cases. The state has now reimposed strict restrictions in five of its districts. Amravati, Akola, Yavatmal, Buldana and Washim. Also yesterday, the city of Pune announced new COVID-19 restrictions including a limited night curfew with effect from February 22nd and the closing of schools and colleges among other things. Meanwhile, Maharashtra's neighbouring state Karnataka has issued an order making it mandatory for people arriving from Maharashtra to be in possession of a negative RT-PCR report that is not older than 72 hours. 
Earlier this week, Karnataka's health department had issued a similar order for those arriving in Kerala. You are listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcast at IndianExpress.com.